0: Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by...
1: This is Big Kurt here.
0: Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Been a little while, been a tick uh, since we recorded. Good to see you, buddy. How you doing?
1: Yeah, been a couple things going down since we recorded.
0: Yes, there has our that uh, uh, that to, to jump right into sad things, but our a uh, college basketball teams were in the tournament uh, almost as quickly as they exited the NCAA basketball tournament. Woof! Um, I had I'll be honest, I had given up already. <laughs> you had talked yourself into that Illinois loss before they were even before you even saw what their matchup and seed was. It didn't matter. And I, the, thing, I,
1: the thing is, I stuck with them all year. Until the Big Ten tournament, when they've lost again. And it's not, I'm not ripping on Penn State because I I love their basketball program. I respect the hell out of them. But how do you lose to a team three times in one year?
0: Tough to do. Tough to do. It was just, that's it.
1: That's it. I'm out.
0: Yeah. I mean, you are a you are a fan that can assess things well. You know, I I I know that I always give you crap for being uh, maybe too realistic, if that's a term. Uh, yeah. But in this case, I don't know if you notice, I didn't really fight you because I could nope. feel it. I could feel it with Illinois. I could feel it with my squad too. It did have oh, kind of man. a happy to be there type of feeling, uh, and of course, not but, not a not a fantastic uh, tournament for any Big Ten team, for that matter. No, no, not a good
1: year for the. Big Ten basketball, uh, not a good look. But what I'm also referring to is the fact that
0: I have now moved. You have moved. You are in a. Have you have you named the the new the new recording area yet? Oh yeah, I, I do
1: have a name for my yeah new place. You're gonna, you gonna share it. La punta it? With de or... La punta de Pena. I
0: like that. That rolls off the tongue.
1: I live right at the bottom of Lake Michigan. By the way,
0: you can walk okay. out
1: 200 yards from Lake Michigan. Just look at it on the map. If you speak Spanish, you know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Fantastic! Well,
1: uh, I
0: like that. I like that. I'm still in the DAC, the old school downstairs athletic club. But of course, we are recording this uh, via internet capabilities. Uh, we've got nice new microphones, folks. We we put a little bit extra money into this for you, so hopefully, uh, the the sound is good. Uh, and actually, we should probably mention we tried recording a podcast to. Two weeks ago now was that what it was? Yeah. Two and, two and a half, weeks, three yeah. weeks ago. Uh it did record. We recorded for over an hour, but only the first 20 or so <laughs> minutes recorded. And I gotta be honest with you folks to go back and re-record the same conversation. I, I don't, I don't know where that's at on the Mount Rushmore of shitty things to do, but it's up there. It just doesn't
1: work out. I mean, no. really, just it doesn't feel genuine. You can't do it. It doesn't.
0: Yeah, it feels like you're trying to reiterate or restate things that you already did. So anyways, that's, that's part of the reason. Hopefully, we will have a little bit better luck with the technology this time around. Uh, we were recording this on Friday evening, the 31st. Hope to have it out tomorrow. No fooling.
1: All right, if you weren't going to say it, I was.
0: Uh, but maybe it'll be Sunday. I'm not real sure. And as we are recording, the uh, Iowa women's basketball team is actually warming up to play a Final Four team. So our men's team had no success, but at least uh, uh, for me, the, the women's basketball team has been excellent to watch. I never thought at one point recording this Iowa football podcast I would ever talk about women's basketball in any capacity, not to be a douche, but I'm just being honest, but this has been some of the most compelling basketball I've literally ever watched watching Caitlin Clark and, and some of these and a lot of other big 10 basketball teams as well. Maryland, Indiana, they looked great in the NCAA tournament. It's been a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it actually has. Um, I tweeted out tonight. Look, we're all Iowa fans right now.
0: Really? I haven't seen that tweet. I've been, busy. Oh yeah, I tweeted um, that.
1: Um, but you know, most of the and this isn't a hundred percent, but if you go back, and I'm not not calling myself an expert on you know college women's basketball, but it's pretty much the teams in the south or the teams on the west coast. Yeah, you know, have dominated the sport. Right. So, look, if you're a Big Ten fan, you're not cheering for Iowa. You're doing it wrong right now.
0: And I got to say, I I feel like there is a lot of that that I've seen. I've seen actually a lot of Gopher and Nebraska fans, which would be you mm-hmm. know. Typically, the two last fan bases that I would right. see support Iowa in anything—they've been very supportive of Caitlin Clark and the Iowa women's basketball team. There's something a, a, about, you know, women's basketball team isn't so—it it doesn't put you off as as much of a, as a rival fan. And then I I do think Caitlin Clark, you know, went in the Naismith Player of the Year. She's been yeah. a, she's been a heck of a story. So I was gonna say I think
1: that is a big reason why my interest has been you know has has been on this tournament is caitlin clark Clayton clark like yeah. it's not just that iowa has this great it's that there's this generational type player on a non-traditional women's basketball powerhouse
0: yeah she's a must-see she's like, a must-see if, TV. If caitlin was at
1: tennessee or uconn or something like that we'd be like ah oh, whatever but she's you know at iowa to Big yeah. Ten school
0: yeah, I mean obviously it obviously means a lot to me, but to hear you in Illinois or aka non IO fans say it, that's that's pretty cool. We're recording this as the game's about ready to start. Uh so we'll obviously everybody will obviously know the outcome of this game. They're they're not Vegas does not uh, look kindly on them staying in this game. I think they're twelve point dogs going into this game, so maybe they yeah, can pull off what? a shocker. Not, Who knows? It's not a bad place to be. You got nothing no. to lose. No, absolutely. All right, with with uh, anything more to add, or should we just jump right into this mailbag here, Bickert? Well, uh, you know what?
1: Since you brought it up, I've, okay. I'm I'm kind of proud of myself right now. Yeah, I've been adulting this week. Okay, and I don't mean adulting in a biblical sense. I mean like, I I today I had a couch delivered, <laughs> and
0: two rugs at a coffee table. Is that adulting? Isn't that what adults... is, is that, I, I think I think that probably counts. Uh, I'm not used to
1: doing this.
0: No, no. Well, you you should be. Uh, that's the second time since, or second or third time since I've known you that you've had to uh, move furniture. But let me just back Kurt up with this. Um, Kurt Kurt is not a, a big connoisseur of decorations, decor, and 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 things of furniture. He when he moved into his place in in Minnesota what three years ago it it took a tick for you to even get a table inside your 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 condo well, anyway here's no, what then. it takes here's what it takes it literally
1: takes me having
0: company come over okay. that's it and 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 so I have you're... company
1: literally coming over tomorrow otherwise <laughs> I would not have a couch right now
0: so in that case you, you needed to have a place for them to actually physically sit down
1: yes yeah. and usually it's a date coming over but this time
0: it's not a date that's buddy. All right, all right. Good stuff. Congratulations, there, buddy. I'll I'll, Thank I'll, you. I'll be I'll be sure to keep track of the. I can look over Kurt's shoulder. I'll be sure to keep track of the of the decor as he as he uh, uh, decorates the place. So, all right, here we go. Mailbag. I think you're supposed to scream something like that. So, thanks to all the people that gave us questions. We got some of the some of the old. Uh, eyes on big uh, listeners, kind of the standards. We got a couple new people in there too. So let's just jump into it. First question from Duncan and Dragons at Duncan and Dragons. Let's say Fickle, Luke Fickle, obviously goes 500 in year one and he has an okay year two. I wrote that down as like eight and four, right? That's an okay year two. Okay. 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 Um, he didn't he didn't put that. I'm just gonna add that. How much okay. leeway does Fickle get with the quote unquote just wait until he gets his guys type of people, knowing that a good chunk of his team is uh hand picked transfers?
1: Okay, so I'm gonna be a complete hypocrite and take both sides of the of the story here. So definitely the game is less forgiving now with the transfer portal. Like you pretty much have to start producing right out of the gate, or at least by year two. But on the other side of things, this was this is Luke Fickle. This was the guy that everybody wanted, and Wisconsin got him, and they love the fact that they got him. Not just the fact that they got the guy, they love his style that he is bringing, and they love the fact that they are no longer playing, this is kind of weird to me, they're no longer playing traditional Badger football. They love that it's going to look different. So to me, this is almost an exception, I think, where he's going to get more time than somebody normally would.
0: Really? Okay. So, and that's kind of tight. You're actually already hitting on Duncan and Dragon's second question, which is kind of, you know, a more broad question is, have things changed uh, where with the transfer portal coaches, even like coaches at Fickle at a place like Wisconsin, there's more expected out of them sooner? I don't think there's any doubt. I think there's a lot of factors that have happened. In the last five, yes, eight, but, 10 years, or whatever, but I, I right. do think the transfer portal is the number one thing uh, that has gotten people to um, uh, fans to expect more out of coaches earlier. I think you could call it the Tuck effect, right? I mean, we saw what Mel Tucker did almost immediately, which which everybody feels like it was his first year. It was technically a second year that he did that, and it was because of you know the big name transfer portals, and and we've already got that. You know, we got Mordecai. And uh, you know, so you got your quarterback. I mean, it is easy. You could easily say that Wisconsin has the best quarterback room right now under Fickle than they've had in the last twenty five, what, whatever, maybe, maybe ever. So maybe that situation right there, and and it is extremely interesting. And I know you're probably going to go there a little bit, but I understand. I totally understand from Wisconsin fans' point of view that it's exciting that they're going to see a different style of football this fall. But as a, the Iowa guy and the Illinois fan, if I could speak for you, it's just kind of like be careful what you wish for, wish for type of deal, because you know, the offense part of it is exciting, but man, did we get used to that defense? And now that, you know, the Leon hard's gone and, and the new, there's just so much going on here. And it, it, it's going to be so interesting to see right from the gate.
1: Absolutely. Like, okay, things were going great, but then they weren't going great. They were going, okay. So you change things up. Y- you may be sorry, looking back. I just cannot wait to see what happens.
0: I, I mean, I think there's two teams in the big 10 West uh, that kind of fit under the same category. We'll get to that other team here in a little bit. But if but you, it, okay. If you look
1: historically, a new coach typically would get up usually about five years. You know, if he wasn't doing great, four years. Yep. Rare occasion three. I think we're we're moving towards the three four year because of NIL. But I think Fickle's gonna get five years regardless at Wisconsin
0: because of who he is. You say three four. I think we're getting closer to two three maybe okay Um, maybe i mean they're already trying they're already trying to fire head coach down in florida he's going into a second year (laughs) and that i mean that has to do with recruiting nnil and the the lack of Mm -hmm. what they believe is bringing in. worth noting at cincinnati luke feckle went four and eight his first year but he went 11 and two his second year now that's at a that's a smaller division okay it it's it is a tougher build and burn in a conference like the Big Ten, I don't think I'm overstating things when I say that. So, but if he did something like that, where he went four and eight and 11 and two, that would be incredible. But the funny thing is that I just said his first year he'd go four and eight. Okay. So, like, I think Badger fans would give up a four and eight season knowing that he's going to get to 11 and two. But you can kind of understand right in his question, he's expecting six and six right from the get go. So, if it is five and seven or four and eight, that will then ratchet up expectations even more for your two. I mean, that's just how it goes. For sure. All right, moving on to uh, next question. Our guy Tracy W. at Tracy Wilson 6'7". I have a sick question. Who's the next Big Ten team to need a a new head coach? I don't think it's that sick. Kurt and I aren't big hot seat guys, but I think I know who you're going to say, but you go ahead.
1: Okay, to need a new coach. So I went with – I divided all the teams into good – bad, and indifferent. Like, okay, so, so the good right now is Illinois, Michigan, Maryland. Those teams are, you know, whether they have a new coach or they're doing well or their their trajectory is up. Bad, obviously, Tommy Allen at at Indiana, Fitzy at Northwestern. I'm going to find Day in there because he's not beating Michigan. And then I'm throwing Mel Tucker in there. Indifferent is Iowa, Penn State. Rutgers, Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Purdue for all different reasons. Like Wisconsin has, they have new coaches. Obviously, that's not going to be them. But the good, you could lose a coach because they're doing too well. That's true too. I mean, I think when
0: everybody reads this question, they take it as a hot seat who's going to get fired. But there, there could be some coaches that just move to a different situation. Uh, There could be coaches that retire. So So there's a lot of
1: different ways. I'm pretty much throwing out the indifferent. Although Iowa, you never know when Kirk Ferentz is going right, to retire and, and right. they need a coach. So I'm pretty much looking at the good and bad. Illinois does Bielema do so well that he
0: he has he gets very plucked. very low on my list of somebody that I would think would move on. Like he would he would be near the Interesting. bottom. Interesting. Okay,
1: yes. I, I I disagree with you on that. Michigan, Harbaugh, like every year he threatens to leave. Locks is doing great. What if somebody wants to pluck locks? And then again, going to the bad, Tommy A. That that's probably my number one right there. That's my number. I I, I,
0: I assume that's what you were going to lead with. It's interesting where you took this question and, and answer, I should say. But Tommy Allen to me seems like, you know, I don't I don't want to say dead man walking, but you better get something, you know, going here. Uh two after the COVID okay. year, two and ten and four and eight. Now he did, you know, things they fought last year. So I do want to give them credit. So then really the question is what does Tom Ellen have to get to, to keep his job? I would say six and six, but if he goes five and seven and they were close, think, does he five and seven is fine. He, he'll, he'll stay. And yeah. but, but part, but part but of again, that is part of because, that is the Illinois athletic department and fans. Do they don't expect as much? Let's be honest from their head coach as some of these other teams that we could name.
1: Indiana for sure. But Again, Michigan, Harbaugh could be gone right now. He could be gone tomorrow. We that's don't know. True.
0: You bring up good points. You got me thinking more along the lines of not just hot seat or retirements, just right. general shenanigans that could take some of these coaches away. So, here, I'll put you on the spot. What would you set the over under at for how many different coaches we have within a month after the football season's over? After this season? Yep. Okay. Over under.
1: Oh. Over under, I'm gonna go one and a half.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say one and a half or two. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably set it yeah. at that. I think, I think three would be would be shocking that 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 happened, but I could definitely see one or two.
1: I thought about going two and a half, but I think I'll go
0: one and a half. I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. All, right. all right. Next question uh, is from Kelly. Was here at Gopher Girl, all right Girl Gopher, excuse me, Kurt. Specifics, Kurt here. What will you miss? the most about Minnesota besides the nearness to her. Kelly was here,
1: (laughs) which is a great, first of all, great question and great little, little, uh, side note there besides (laughs) the nearness to Kelly (laughs) and Kelly, I apologize. I was not following you. I don't know why, but now I am following you. So what will I miss most about Minnesota? Thought about this for a little while. First of all, number one, the downstairs athletic club. Oh, nice. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Bart, Bar La Grassa, my favorite restaurant in the entire world. Yep. Okay. Downtown Wyzetta, I'm gonna miss my gym, CrossFit Minnetonka. I'm gonna miss going to a bar and watching, not watching, just seeing high school hockey really on TV. Wow. wow. Look of at course. You. Getting a little sentimental there. That was one of the coolest things about Minnesota. I'm gonna miss Target Field. I'm gonna miss going to basketball games at the barn. Um I'm Got gonna a lot miss, stuff miss here. the lakes. I'm going to miss the lakes. However, I'm 200 yards from more water than exists in the entire state of Minnesota. So I'm not going to miss it that much. But here's you, gave what up I will ten, not, you
0: gave up 10,000 lakes for one big one.
1: For one enormous lake. Here's what I will not miss. Going to bars and
0: not having football on TV. I figured that was going to get a mention at some point. Uh, the one thing I would add is... Um, you know, I knew you were taking off before you took off, obviously, for several weeks before. Uh, then you get busy with life and whatnot. Then all of a sudden you were gone, you know, and, 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 and it was about a week and a half, two weeks after you were gone. And it was a Thursday or Friday. I think it was two weeks ago before spring break. And I was like, "Ooh, I got some free time here. I wonder if Kurt wants to. Oh, he doesn't. I can't get him to grab a drink. He's he's in Indiana. So that was the first time where it hit home, where it it kind of stung for me. But hey. New, new roads. I'm happy for you. Moving on to the next question. All right. Active Duty Husker at Husker GI. First off, thanks for your service. Active Duty Husker. We like this question. Which Big Ten coach would make the best James Bond? I think this is a no-brainer. Do you want to go first or me?
1: Oh, okay. So I, I couldn't come up with one. Is that okay? I went with several. Okay. So, so you, I with... you got several candidates. Who would be the best James Bond? Okay, so I I not only have several candidates for James Bond. Oh, that oh, I'm sorry. We're getting get to get the next question. Let me let me yeah, let me just we'll get, keep you yep. with James. On. I've got four. I've got four coaches.
0: Okay, that could be James. Can I just Bond. give mine my only one? Okay, fine. Go go for it. I, I it really seems like Ryan Day is the best person to be the next James Bond, just from Big Ten coaches.
1: He was down my list, but he's one of the four. Okay. My first one is Kirk Ference He's the Sean Connery James Bond. He's it, 60-some years old, man. You know, like, wh- who's he going to be beating up yeah, here? You know, not not today, but <laughs> but he's the Sean Connery. So Ryan
0: Walters. The old Sean Connery. That one, I think it was uh, Never Say Never Again, when it was okay. the last Sean Connery Bond. You you're like, That's he him. is too old to be doing <laughs> this role anymore.
1: Next one. Ryan Walters, is, he's the Daniel Craig. Okay. He's like the young... You know, okay. kind of hip cool. Uh I've got Mel Tucker as the Roger Moore. Ooh, I like that. Okay. And then I have the Quaff, Ryan Day. And I couldn't decide. He's either Pierce Brosnan or Timothy Dalton.
0: Definitely Pierce Brosnan. We don't we don't need I, a Timothy. So, we don't need a Timothy Dalton anybody up here.
1: Okay, fine. But he's got the Quaff. Yeah. Brosnan has a nice quaff. So yes, okay, Pierce definitely. Brosnan. There you go.
0: And we're we're not gonna we're not gonna do a George Lazenby uh any comparison no. it's not worth no. it not worth no. it okay <laughs> and then some other fun parts i went i went in the way back here because there's some other fun Bond characters the the ultimate Bond character uh Bond bad guy super villain I should say is Blofeld so I went back in time a little bit but hold I feel on. Like... so
1: the next question is who are some coaches that could be villains we have, right which we... is what we're yeah right so sorry okay. I didn't
0: I didn't ask the next question no, thanks, you thanks for you did not ask yeah thanks <laughs> for uh asking that through so um Blofeld is you know the king of all villains to me? When I think of Blofeld, I think it's somebody that you know looks normal and trustworthy on the outside, but but then you realize it's you know it's a deep dark person that's underneath the surface. So I, I got former Michigan State coach Mark Dantonio. He he seems like to me he could oh, really I didn't know fit we them. Could go former? <laughs> hey, I, I broke. I I did what I wanted to do in this one. <laughs> well, damn it,
1: that that changes <laughs> everything for me. But who could be villains for me? I mean, immediately, Tom Allen, with those wee beady eyes? Yes, he could. Well, he could be Jaws then. he could, have... but then... I mean, weird, quirky, khaki pants? How could he not be a villain? He could uh, be... I, I would even say... I would say Bielema. I was thinking, like, Bielema for Jaws, maybe. See,
0: yeah, because either... So either Tommy Allen or Bielema could be Jaws. Um, and then
1: I would think Locks could be a good villain, and James yeah. Franklin... He's got like with the glasses and everything, he's he's got a good see I don't
0: I don't get villain from locks. That's that's not what I would get. Locks would be okay. more locks would be more like a secondary character that's a good guy.
1: Okay, so here's the other thing I've got. I've got guys that could go both ways. Okay. I think PJ Fleck could be either one. <laughs> yes. And I think Greg Schiano could be PJ, either
0: PJ PJ Fleck might be the guy that you start out thinking for two thirds of the movie that he's a bad guy only to find out that he's been on James Bond's side. He's actually with the CIA the whole time or vice versa. He could, right. he could turn and stab him in the back at the end of the movie.
1: Okay. I've got three guys that I just don't think are even in this conversation at all. They're not James Bond. They're not villains. They couldn't go either way. Fickle uh, Fitzgerald and rule.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Definitely fickle category. Fitzgerald. You could talk me into something, but rule. Rule. And Fickle are too nice or too everyday guys. They just right. they, they don't fit into the Bond world. That's no. a, that's a great point. Um, The only one I couldn't figure out is I, I would love to have an odd job. You know, that's the guy that threw the, the hat of to, to, to chop people's I heads mean, off. But let, let's be
1: honest. Off. He's the best Bond villain ever, right?
0: Well, I don't know. I was always partial to Jaws, but odd jobs. Jaws fun. was cool. Jaws was great. Jaws was yeah. a two or three movie bad guy where i think odd job was only one he was only I think, in one movie yeah
1: i think odd job yeah. was one
0: and then of course a quick bond ranking not not that but you know i'm putting daniel craig number one i'm sorry but daniel craig is just an amazing bond the movies themselves are the best movies i know recency bias plays into it but so I, I freaking yeah i
1: think i mean i'm not gonna say you're wrong but i think i'm just i'm calling recency bias on okay
0: this. Okay. Because
1: okay, imagine you're in the 60s and Sean Connery is Bond driving that freaking amazing Aston Martin. The one of the coolest cars that's ever been made.
0: Yep. And I know. he
1: orders the, the martini. I don't
0: I know. know, man. But I'm a blonde dude. Daniel Craig's blonde. That was that was my first Fair. when I saw Daniel Craig picked. I'm like, they picked a blonde Bond. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then the movies were fantastic. Sean Connery's yeah. number two. But I'm telling you, it's number 2A and 2B is Roger Moore for me. I, Roger Moore as Bond was my childhood.
1: Uh, same. Absolutely. I remember going to the theater and watching Roger Moore films.
0: Absolutely. I, I, sure. I don't think I ever saw him in the theater. But the, the funny thing is how he did it is. Growing up in the in the Greek household with the ancient Greeks, when they weren't so ancient at the time. Whenever the <laughs> whenever the Bond movies would come on, they were on ABC. We 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 didn't have cable. We weren't one of those fancy people with those big old satellites. Uh so when they came on A B C and Dad and um uh um Doug the Carthaginian and I, Darren the American, not quite as big in the Bond franchise as we were. She would banish us to the second room because she thought those movies were so stupid that she wouldn't allow us to watch the Bond movies in the big TV. So we had to go to the second TV in the in the second room. And that's a, that's wow. my memory is watches is uh, uh, us three kind of, and and Darren would get in there sometimes too, and we'd watch Bond movies. But all right, anyways, that was a, that was our little Bond. Session, let's keep moving on. And we got a good one here from our guy, Captain Bug Eater, at Captain Bug Eater. With Air Raid coming to Wisconsin, Bulma warming up Illinois, P.J. holding Minnesota, and Rule coming to Nebraska, who emerges as the Big Ten West's top rushing team? One of those or none of those?
1: I mean, I guess I would ask a question to Bug Eater's question. Is he talking about next year or is he talking about just in general – the next year you know. I think
0: both. If I had to read through Bug's question, I would say starting next year and then as those teams move into the next two or three years.
1: So to me, the the one that sticks out as the team that's gonna want to run the ball the most is Illinois. Okay. Are you disagreeing or no?
0: I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. Um interesting. Okay. Illinois, Iowa, and Minnesota all want to run the ball. What's interesting is they've all got hiccups going into next year.
1: No, they got, the, for absolutely, they got hiccups going. I'm talking about who, like, they're, what is the plan? Yes, of course, P.J. loves to run the ball. Of course, I wants to run the ball. But nobody's going to be more dedicated to running the ball than Brett Bielema. He's the one coach that has never branched off of that in his entire career.
0: I guess I don't disagree with you, but at the same time, I feel like I could say the same thing about, Iowa and and what Minnesota has come has become know, over the last at, two or three on. years.
1: Look at him at Wisconsin. Look at him at Arkansas. Look him at look at him at Illinois.
0: The last couple okay. of years, yeah, you're. I don't think I'm trying to put up much of a fight here. I just don't think maybe okay. it's as as much of a slam dunk as you think it is.
1: However, next year the Illinois offensive line should be eh, okay. The running backs,
0: and this is what gets uh, I, into the this is what gets into the nuance of the the question is is correct. There's, a, there's this will go into our next uh, question from the King. There's a lot of big time rushing. In fact, should we just af- ask this question here because they kind of they kind of meld together. Okay. The Kingfisher at the Kingfisher 18. Who do you guys think will fill the cavernous void of rushing yards behind Brown, Ibrahim, and Corum? Now, of course, he figured out that Corum is actually coming back. It's a new right. era of running the damn ball. So this these two questions kind of feed into each other. And and it's tough because Mo Ibrahim is a huge loss for Minnesota. Yeah, we saw yeah. how much Minnesota struggled to run the ball consistently when Mo Ibrahim was out of there. I, right. I think people are are sleeping on Chase Brown as a running back and as an NFL running back prospect, I think – he, tr- I think he made the Illinois offensive line look a lot better than they actually were last year. So no doubt, I, I I'm the first one to say I didn't think our offensive line was that good. I, I and I'm not saying bad, but just that's how I, I, I mean that more as a compliment to 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 uh, Chase Brown, right? They weren't I, bad, right? Iowa's got a running back that they really like, but the yeah. offensive line has got to improve in order for that to happen. The whole offense has got to improve. Okay, and then you got Wisconsin, so, who has always been, you know, the stalwart runner, but now they've got a completely new philosophy. Are are we leaning towards is Nebraska the answer here? We know Matt okay. Rule wants to run the ball too. I love that you said that because I've got three of those names on here,
1: but I just want to. I went through and I looked at the who are the good running backs that are going to be playing in the Big Ten next year. And here's the list I came up with. Raylan Allen, Nick Singleton, Cajun Allen, Devin Mockaby. I think the most underrated one, Roman Hemby, Josh McCray, Reggie Love, Peyton Johnson, Anthony Grant, Gabe Irvin, A.J. Allen, Trayvon Henderson, Mayan Williams, Dallin uh, Hayden. Somebody's going to fill the void. Yeah,
0: And Corum is back. So, I think Caleb Johnson's a pretty good running back too for Iowa. I mean, he carried the ball quite a bit last year. So,
1: I said him. Caleb oh, you did? Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay.
0: My bad. Um, so, no, yeah,
1: the, yeah. So, I mean, so who's gonna fill the void? Well, one of those guys,
0: one of those guys. Um, uh, but out of the Big Ten or, West, or all of those guys, or all of them, here's my gut feel is, is if the answer or if the question is who's gonna lead, which team's gonna lead the Big Ten in rushing next year I, I i there might be some eye rolls going on with this but i think it's going to be wisconsin um okay so I, you're, I think you're
1: conflating two questions though the previous question was who leads the west in rushing this question is who fills the void for all of yep. big 10 running backs but
0: i think they all kind so of fit you together think
1: you're saying wisconsin is going to lead the big 10 in rushing next year
0: I don't know if I said they were going to lead the Big 10 in rushing. I would put that to Michigan. Michigan and Ohio State, shoot, Michigan, Ohio <laughs> State and Penn State would be probably my top 1, 2 and 3 I, right there. I think there.
1: I'm going to go I'm going to go Penn State.
0: Yeah, I mean they got the two, the two best running back in, in the backfield. The only other team that would even get close to uh um challenging them would be Ohio State and if well, you know, like Maybe Michigan can make it work, too. Uh, But what I think is going to happen for the Big Ten West, and we are jumping around here, is that I I am starting to believe in that the Wisconsin offensive line has been talking about how they're excited that there's going to be people removed from the box because they're going to have so many more guys spread out wide. And I think you're going to see an influx of bigger runs back for Braylon Allen and and Wisconsin. So. I could choose Wisconsin. I could choose Nebraska, but I think I'm gonna go with Wisconsin for the Big Ten West. And as far as the Big Ten, I mean pick any one of those those big teams from the Big Ten East or maybe Wisconsin.
1: Again, I just want to give a shout out to Maryland and Roman Hemby.
0: Yep. Yep. Because I just I'm, need to need to see it more consistently. And they lost a lot of guys from their offensive line.
1: That's a great point about the offensive line, but yep. I, I just count me as a fan.
0: Go ahead. Right. And then Kingfisher's last question, also who will be in the conversation for the second best defense behind the clear number 1 defense in Illinois, a uh, little bit of a nod towards his uh, Illinois fandom right there. Um there there was a stat that went out with the uh, the 10 best Big 10 or 10 best Defensive coordinators in all of college football, five of them (laughs) reside in the Big Ten Conference. There would have probably been six out of the ten if Jim Leonard was still employed by Wisconsin. But that's still pretty good, having having literally half of the top ten of the entire country.
1: And don't forget, Ryan Walters is no longer a defensive coordinator.
0: I tell you what, what would that list look like if Ryan Walters and Jim Leonhard were still out there? They literally could have had six or six. Seven of the top ten defensive coordinators on that list. So for me, I think the three the two best defenses, uh the three best defenses that that pop out to me are sorry, I, I think Illinois has lost enough where they might drop down to fourth or fifth in the conference for defense, but I think Iowa, Michigan, and Penn State are the three best defenses on paper right at this time.
1: Hold on. What about Minnesota? I was gonna say Penn State for sure. I am extremely interested in seeing Penn State this coming year. But Illinois, their front seven is probably the, I I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's the best in the conference.
0: Okay. I, I feel pretty good about Iowa and Michigan and Penn state as well. So we'll obviously broke, break that down a little bit more into the deep dive, but I'll tell you this much. It's, it's going to be tough sledding again for a lot of these teams in, in the conference on offense. And, and, you know, that's part of what plays into our last question is they got these rushing defenses or rushing offenses got to go against these defenses we're talking about.
1: And one more that I'm going to throw in there is Ohio state. It's going to be Jim Knowles second year, second year. Or they, they were very good statistically for most of the season. The one thing they didn't have that I want, and I want to see next year is a killer instinct. They didn't yes. like Iowa had a killer instinct. Illinois had a killer instinct. I would say by the time that Penn State got to that, yep. that that uh the bowl game, they had a killer instinct. I cannot wait to watch them play defense next year. But I have not seen that from Ohio State yet.
0: And I think Ohio State, most Ohio State fans would agree with that. I think Jim Knowles would agree with that from what I've been reading in the offseason. I do think we're going to see a step up. I think you're going to see a little bit more ferocity from the front seven out of Ohio State. All right, moving on. To our guy, Jordan Eggleston at JW Eggleston 7. Oh boy, if you weren't a fan of your current team, which big team would you cheer for and why? Let me just say this question both excites me and makes me nervous to answer, which you know is the the hallmark of this being a really good question.
1: It's a great question because I'm scared of answering it. And so uh, everyone knows if if you're if you're a listener of this podcast going back to when we started that I'm a shameless Plan B Indiana football fan.
0: Okay. So is, is, and is part that... of
1: that though, part of that is growing up in Indiana, now living back here, but remembering the '87 and '88 seasons with uh, you know running the football, beating Ohio State, beating Michigan loved their uniforms back then. So that's part of it. But if I had to, if you're putting a gun to my head and saying, who are you going to be a fan of? I'm going to take the easy route. I'm going to Ohio state.
0: Yeah. I should have answered. I mean, I went with, so basically I'm like, okay, my criteria. So first of all, in this exercise, I'm like moved in from Europe, but yet somehow I have a knowledge of the sport. So like, that's what I try to picture in my head. And then the next set of criteria is like, what am I looking for? Like success in the past, direction that the team is going right now. Yeah, right. I'm going to certainly err very much towards football. But in all honesty, I want to take in all of the sports and the capabilities. Mm. What's the game day atmosphere? So when I go to a game, you know sure. what, what yeah. I, I want to be drawn in by the stadium and the fans, um, uh, uh, fan engagement, you know, like what type of fans there's so many factors that you bring in. Um, so my top three teams that came out right from the get go were Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Those were the three teams that I felt Michigan would be basically, I just named, you know, three of the top teams in the conference that obviously aren't named Iowa, uh, but. I just don't think I'm a Michigan man. <laughs> so I just, I don't think I can choose I know. Michigan. It's tough. Yeah. It's yeah, that's tough. tough. Um, and then with Wisconsin, I refused to cheer for that basketball team. So they're <laughs> off of they're they're off the ledger right there. It really came down to Ohio state and Penn state. And I don't know what this is going to do to our listenership, but I took, I took Ohio state as well. I mean, it's yeah, a, it's, mean... a home, it's a Homer. It's a knowing that every time you go into the football season, you're, for sure looking at 10 wins if not 11 or 12 wins that would be fun. <laughs> I'd like to know how the that honest, feels.
1: I took I took the easy route on this one. Like this we both did. Give me give me a lot of wins. Yes, Expect give me a lot of wins. wins. Hold on. I'm going to go ahead and, and and give a a shout out to Northwestern. Expect victory. That's what you would do. Right. As Ohio State. That was right. the that Expect was the victory. Northwestern uh slogan back in the day, but
0: anyway, um, Penn State was a close one for me. Love the uniforms, love the atmosphere. Ooh. Uh, uh, love I, I could pick up the number one wrestling team in the country. The basketball team's going, I'm just saying, you know, Penn State brings a lot to the table, just tough to get to, you know, tough to get out to Happy Valley. So I'll just right. go with Ohio State. All right, moving on to our guy Brian at Vegas Sportsbook Guy. He asked the question, What do you think each Big Ten? head coach's drink of choice would be now we've kind of gone through this question and answer before. So we're going to jump around and uh do a little bit different version of this question, which is which big 10 coach do you think would be the biggest fan of our favorite drink? The Amador Chardonnay.
1: Okay. So I couldn't, I couldn't come down to one. I've got three guys. Okay. So do I. So do I. And not surprisingly, it's all like kind of cool dudes. Okay. Okay. I've got three guys, Ryan Walters, James Franklin, and Mel Tucker, all going to sit around and drink Amador Chardonnay double barrel with me
0: and you. Okay. All right. So that's the yeah, that's the five of us sitting around. Um well, we got one that that's the same. I I got our guy Mel Tucker too. He he looks like I think it might be the Stogies and and how Stogies pair up well with a bourbon and I think that's yep. what was in my head. Surprised by the other two with with you because with a bourbon drinker, don't get me wrong, bourbon has has moved up the ranks, right? The brown water has moved up where even hoity-toity people drink bourbon now. I still think it's more of an earthy drink, more of an earthy dude. So I got Matt Rule. I, I feel like the mm. traveling that he's done, you know, Texas, down to Florida, he's kind of gone back and forth in bourbon country. So I got Matt Rule. I also think of my guy, Greg Sciano. I, I, I can see Greg Ciano being being a nice bourbon drinker and him okay, really from- appreciating the Amador Chardonnay.
1: I'm not saying you're wrong, but for Matt Roll, I went with Yahoo. <laughs> I think Matt Roll. I, I don't think I don't think Matt Roll's
0: cookie cutter. I, I think he throws him down.
1: And then Greg Schiano, uh, I went with wine.
0: Okay, I can see Schiano. Yeah, see, Ryan Day to me is more of a wine drinker. Of course, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, we know what he's going to drink. Ryan right? Day. Oh, whole milk. Yes, whole milk. Right, so he's not even drinking. He wouldn't drink bourbon because to him, he probably wouldn't want to put that poison in his body. I don't. Ryan Day seems like a diet coke guy to me. Really? No, I think Ryan Day Mm -hmm. has. I think Ryan Day enjoys a really nice, fine bottle of wine with a great steak. Would be my. Would be my guess. Now, Loxley, milkshake for sure. (laughs) Thick, heavy milkshake. Maybe, maybe around the holidays, he puts something in it. Spikes it a little bit, just to just to help himself out a little bit. All right, with that being said, the Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving on to our guy, Eric, at HawkFet. First question up, what college football rules would you change? Targeting. And it's not, to me, so I got targeting as well. It's not to remove the targeting. I do understand the basics of the rule, but it is too punitive. Kicking somebody out, I mean... How dumb is it that somebody gets kicked out for the second half of one game in the first half of the next game? I cannot believe that ever got pushed through in the first place. No, and I will say, I'm not against the idea
1: of having safer hits because I am. And in fact, when you, when you target someone's head or when you target someone's knees, that's that's not the intention of a tackle. The intention of a tackle is to tackle someone in their midsection. Yep. So to me, here should be the rule. Tackle between the basically the chest and the mid thigh. Okay. Anything else is a penalty and it's just 15 yards or That's whatever, it. 10 right. yards like that, So essentially no tar- no targeting
0: and, even if he launches and, it, as long as he hits the guy in the numbers it's fine.
1: Correct. Yeah. Dude, I, and, I and could get with the, that. And here's the thing that nobody That's great. Hold on. Here's the thing that nobody ever talks about. You launch at a knee, completely legal.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Why is that legal? When, when I, I guarantee, I guarantee, if a running back is running and he suddenly was frozen, and 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 a football guy came into his helmet and said, "You're going to take a gigantic shot on your body right now." Maybe number one is his head, but I can guarantee you, number two would be his knees. That he right. wouldn't want. That he wouldn't want to take.
1: And by the way, in rugby, this is a rule: you have to tackle between the chest and the mid thigh. And if you watch rugby, there none of this stuff happens. No, because they're great see. tacklers, and that's why the Correct. rugby
0: style tackling is what's is what's caught uh, taught by a lot of football coaches. Right? Yeah, that's a great that's a great point as far as just in between you know numbers to thighs, no targeting. Man, it, it, Are, so are you the first to come up with that? Because I, I tell you, that is. I guess I just haven't heard anybody say that. That's fantastic.
1: No, I am not the first to come up with it because you know who came up with it? Me on this podcast a few years ago. Okay. So, right,
0: maybe I wasn't paying attention. So <laughs> the that,
1: so the other one, I'm the, the whole idea of challenges. That college used to do it right, right where there was just somebody in a booth reviewing the play, and if they needed to stop the play, they stopped the play. The, why are we letting coaches being in be involved? In officiating the game, it That's makes no sense
0: to That's me. That's a good point. Just take it out of it. They can they can there can be a booth challenge thing because it's it's pretty obvious that it needs to be. That's good. Just take the coaches out of it. I, I love it. They got enough, they got enough shit to do anyways. Right. All right. Next question from our guy Hawk Fett. What food items would you ban from the tailgating scene? <laughs> and Hawk Fett really wanted to say that he hates red beet eggs. I got to tell you, I don't know if I've ever seen a red beet egg, let alone see one at a tailgate. Red beet eggs? I mean, Hawkfed, I Your love it, but you, what you... the hell is that? <laughs> never, I don't think I've ever heard of it, but boy, does he hate red beet eggs. So let's just support him in saying red beet eggs are nasty. I wouldn't know. I've, I've never had one, but anyways, I've got. Wait, hold on. Is is it, hold on. Is, is it red, like B-E-E-T? Like a beet, like a beet. Yeah, like a red beet. I love beets.
1: Beets are good bee- for you.
0: I just don't know if I've ever had a red beet egg before. I,
1: I mean, they're maybe they're good for you, but I just enjoy eating beets. Beets, beets
0: are, beets are good for the soul. I'm, I'm a root not-
1: vegetable guy.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, you are. What I would say is this: when I am at a tailgate, I don't want anything elaborate. I want it to be a food that I can pick up with one hand and shove into my mouth and eat. It cannot be something that I have to set my beer down, set my drink down, and go through a process to eat. I don't want a plate. I want to walk by a table, pick it up, throw it in my mouth, and continue on with the breakdown of Iowa's 4-3 defense and how it's going to look that afternoon.
1: Thank you. People tell me, oh, I have the greatest chili for our tailgate. A lot of work. Chili is not a tailgate food. Like, you're holding a bowl, you're standing up, and you've got a spoon. Where's your beer? Well, it's, it's not in your hand.
0: Like you got I'll make somewhat of an exception with chili on a cold day. No, because I, it does... I won't. Okay. I will not okay. make an exception for chili. You,
1: you, you give me a hamburger. You give me a bratwurst, and that's it.
0: How about how about chili in a cup? We, we've done that before at a tailgate. You pour the chili you, into you a cup, and you cup? just sip it. Yeah, that's one handed. Okay, that's one-handed. I will
1: accept <laughs> sipping a cup of chili. I will accept that. It's got to be one hand. Like, it's got to be one like, hand. Okay. And that's the thing. Wings. Wings. W- wings you can do. Horrible.
0: Wings you can do, but it's no, tough. But the, the issue with wings is now I've got crap on my fingers and, you know, there's typically it's weird, but, you know, you got to find a okay. napkin, towels ain't around. Yep.
1: So it's got to be clean. Yeah. To me, got to be one hand. Th- so those... something with some yep. a bun. Right. Something with a bun.
0: That helps. And if it's a cheeseburger, I want a slider. I want a one hander that I can basically just. Shove the whole thing in my mouth so i don't have to sit there Absolutely. and take multiple bites huh? now um and then the last question he has this gets us into what we hope will be our next podcast we quick little ranking here this is just out of the blue top five arnold schwarzenegger movies how do you want to do this i'm going to go through so, mine first or
1: well I, I can go through mine but okay. th- these are in no particular okay. order but i okay. know my top five okay commando amazing terminator nothing needs to be said there Total Recall, when I was a kid, was the coolest movie I ever saw in the theater. Running Man. Running Man was the greatest book. I I, I read that book after I saw the movie. The movie was amazing. Book was even better. And then Predator. There yep. we go. That's yep. the top
0: five. So this was tough for me. Um, my honorable mention, because you got to get a little bit of the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger when he tries to make something funny and he's not really... He's not really saying it with comedic timing, but just because he says it like this, it's very funny. So, kindergarten.
1: Are you you referring to, let off some steam, Bernard? (laughs) That's a good one. That's his greatest quote ever.
0: No, the greatest quote is,
1: get to the chopper. Get Get to the chopper. chopper. That's a good one. However, let off some steam, Bernard, to me, is. What I
0: was going with is, I think his funniest line is a comedic line in Kindergarten Cop. When the kid's like, it could be a tumor. And he goes, it's not a tumor. Like, that it's is not a tumor. So, Kindergarten Cop, tw- okay. uh, Twins, and Jingle all the way. Honorable Mention. Honorable Mention. They're okay. they're great. They're great movies. I actually have The Terminator in Honorable Mention. Hercules in Honorable Mention. Total Recall in Honorable Mention. I can't believe it. But, hey, you haven't heard my top five yet. Once I- I you heard okay, my top let's five, to the top you five. left a big one out. Number five, I got Commando. Commando is the quintessential blow shit up movie ever, ever. The scene where he is putting the grenades and all the guns, attacking it to his vest. And he's he's like putting
1: the the camo on his face and everything. They got
0: smoke behind him. It's absolutely incredible. Number four, The Running Man. Has Total Recall exactly held up to the test of time? No. Has The Running Man... Kinda, a little bit better than 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 Total Recall. Number three, you skipped this one. You just missed it. T two Judgment Day. One yeah. of the rare times where Terminator, the second movie, is better than the original. Another one you skipped. Amazing movie. Number two, True Lies. An amazing comedy, a, a great great action. Jamie Lee Curtis's tatas. It is one of the <laughs> greatest movies for Arnold Schwarzenegger of all time, but number one, I mean, it is just hands down as predator. Uh, it is, it is the, it ah, is the so top machismo blow it up. T- dudes, dudes, the, the beginning of the movie when Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, give each it. other a five and they're dude, it's, it's just, it's the greatest eighties. Okay. You've know, got so a great I mean, list. Yep. I'm so confident in my list. I didn't say yours was bad. Mine's just better. Two last ones, right. two last ones, and then we'll move on. Uh, both both from The Running Man, right? This one doesn't, I don't even think it makes sense. But after he killed uh, Sub-Zero, and, and he looks up at the camera and goes, Sub-Zero, now, plain Zero. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know if that makes sense. What does sense. that even mean? What does it even mean? I
1: don't know. But and, perfect. and by the way, amazing performance by Richard Dawson.
0: Absolutely. Ab- Absolutely. It was he. Yes. he made that movie click. There's no doubt about it. And Absolutely. I remember because yep. I, I was I just barely was old enough to remember him being on the Family Feud to see him play that role was incredible. And I don't know if you've ever heard anybody that that worked on the Family Feud. They said his character in The Running Man was who he was behind the scenes. That's who Richard so, Dawson really was. So plug to Stephen
1: King in his book it was amazing there was this
0: arena basically in the book the entire world was the arena wow really it was so cool interesting last line after he cuts buzzsaw in half and his Mm -hmm. one running partner what happened to buzzsaw oh he had to split (laughs) One one of the greatest of all time all right, the Goat Follower at Goat Follower. You've been hired to replace Kevin Warren, and your first move is to trade a big West team for a big East team. What would your move be? Um.
1: Okay, so didn't put a lot of thought into this one, but good I don't question, think you need to. Follower.
0: I'm going to trade Michigan for Purdue. Michigan for Purdue. Okay. Huh? All right. Wow. Um. I thought it was pretty easy to trade Purdue for Penn state. Now you've got Purdue playing Indiana inside their own division for the last game of the year. doesn't make much of a difference. Hold on. I'm going
1: to stop you though. Poor Penn state has to travel to all these big 10 West. That's not fair to them.
0: Not fair. Um, Michigan geographically a little bit closer. Uh, Now, what I would say is, is this is if, if we did trade Penn state for Purdue, the funny thing is the Big 10 East would still have all of the championships for the past 8 years minus 1. Penn State would have notched the Big 10 West 1-1 one, one Big uh Big 10 championship. But right point being is even if you did Michigan by the way, no yeah. for the last 8 years it would be it would still be 6 and 2 for the East because then it would be Penn State and Ohio State for all the other Big 10 championships. But doing Michigan, just because of the last two years, Michigan has won the last two Big Ten championships, but before that, it was all Ohio State and Penn State. Right. point I'm trying to make here is even when you switch out one of the top teams, unless that top team would be Ohio State that you would move over to the West. Correct. The breakdown is pretty much the championships are on the East side, and that's mostly because of Ohio State. I feel like that's a nuance that many people not named scott docterman have a hard time grasping uh then this actually kind of fits into a question we got from our guy Alibaba at Alibaba 26 would be worth going over west division teams out of conference records since 2015 just to prove the divisions better than people give it credit for that is a deep dive and what i'm saying is answering that question how we did the last question by the goat follower is you know still a lot of the weight in the conferences in the East just because of Ohio State, but what would the West look like compared to other divisions? I think I will try to find some time to do a deep dive for the last five, six, seven years of divisions and conferences. Just did not have time this week to to do this, but I but we wanted to acknowledge the question and we'll get to it sometime down the road.
1: Yeah, and just to add to that, the East has won every single. Big 10 championship game since 2014 when they started the East and the West. Yep. Ohio State has five. Michigan has two. Penn State and Michigan State have one.
0: Correct. Yep. So we I miss Michigan State, and they're my bad. But um, All right, here we go. Next one up is uh, Norwegian Gopher at Norwegian Gopher. A little bit of tongue-in-cheek question here. Which teams could realistically make the most sense to add a D1 hockey program in the future? Which would you add to get to the Big 10? just want to first state I get a lot of crap for my hockey takes. I do not dislike the sport as much as maybe I, I give off to be or or I I I tend to rib people out on Twitter and in DMs. It's just I didn't grow up with hockey. It's not in my DNA. Also, and this I am passionate about, I I wanted nothing to do with my kids playing hockey because it is a crazy sport up here. To be able to follow your kids doing it, the politics and the equipment and the travel, it's ridiculous. I did not want to financially make that, that commitment. That I am passionate about. But after that, I just want to say I am proud of how elite Big Ten hockey is.
1: Yeah, Big Ten hockey is elite and great choice, not letting your kids play hockey, <laughs> but in person,
0: hockey is the best sport to watch. That's a bold statement. I still, I'm still, i still going to go with football, but boy, there is no sport that changes more than hockey live as opposed to hockey on TV.
1: Oh my goodness. Hockey live is unbelievable. Football on TV is the best TV sport. Hockey is
0: the best in in person sport. I'm not going to completely disagree with you there. The one thing I would add is big time basketball. If you're sitting on the floor, <laughs> you have to have amazing seats, then yeah. basketball is cool, but hockey hockey live I I really didn't know until I went to my first wild game and I got I had good seats. I was really close to the glass and you're like holy cow this this it's it's a big gigantic party every time you're at a hockey game. Okay,
1: so currently
0: we have six full-time Big 10
1: teams that play hockey minnesota michigan ohio state michigan state penn state and wisconsin so who would you add to that is the question right yeah okay so uh, there's to me there's three teams that are the obvious answers to this Rutgers, maryland illinois and Mm. why is that because they've got decent recruiting bases okay so i grew up in chicago burbs the hockey's Okay, it's there. It exists. It, there's a culture, but it is nowhere near what it is in Minnesota.
0: Not even close. And, I don't I don't think any other – the only other state that would even come close would be maybe Michigan?
1: Well, but maybe
0: Massachusetts. Okay.
1: East Coast hockey is a thing, it's, it's a thing. which is why I think Rutgers and Maryland play into this.
0: I, I'm with your Rutgers and Maryland pick. I get it.
1: And by the way, let's – throw a disclaimer out there i'm not a hockey guy
0: you're not a hockey guy no not at all i am I... so we don't we don't
1: yeah. know what the hell we're talking about no but at the same time i think those are the three teams now as an Atlanta fan i do not want a hockey team because the only thing i see that doing is distracting from football and basketball and I don't want that.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know how much of a distraction it would be. Hockey, there's some semi-pro teams and in, in, uh, uh, semi-pro hockey teams in Iowa. They are very uh, popular, but Iowa fans are so committed to wrestling. You know, that's our version of hockey in the state of Iowa. Correct. And then, right. you know, we've got a final four uh, uh, women's basketball team right now. And Iowa men's basketball has been a passion for fans for years. I just haven't got time for that. I, I can't add hockey into another winter sport. I've I've got enough things to watch. I think most Iowa fans would look the the same way. I, I kind of wonder how Nebraska would do with a hockey team, though. They they support all of their so, programs so well. Okay. And, like they go nuts. So much. that's a great. It'd be interesting.
1: That's a great one. That's the one that that I listed as my honorable mention is yeah. Nebraska because they're just so passionate. They would right. support anything.
0: So you'd have those six teams kick Notre Dame to the curb. That's ridiculous. Right. Add those four teams right there. Now we got big 10 hockey. It's actually 10. That should be their goal. You right. four more teams so it can actually be big 10 hockey and they could, they could own that. That would be cool.
1: And on record, I do not want Illinois to have a hockey team. Go ahead. <laughs> you the, made that next
0: question. Our guy, Dan P at Danimal P one, our buddy talk about traveling with two small children, the do's and don'ts mix in some stories. So Dan's asking that question because uh, uh, Mrs. Greek and I just got back. Well, not just got back. We got back less than a week ago uh, from traveling down to Florida. We were in Naples for a week. Uh, Absolute blast. We had great weather down there. As far as the trick, here's my trick. Uh, Have a wife that takes care of everything (laughs) because that's how I do. I I don't do crap. She planned the trip. She got the, uh, she got the Airbnb and the flights all set up. She has like, She has like packets inside of packets inside of bags so that the second one of our kids needs something, boom, she just like grabs it, has it, you know, surface for them to play snack, boom. She's just on that stuff. That's that's why we got her that. And then once you get there, make sure you have pools or 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 oceans for them to jump into all the time, as long as kids are near or. As long as they're planning to get into a pool or have just gotten from a pool, that's the best way to keep them not being crazy. It's the best best okay. piece of advice I got right there.
1: Not a lot to contribute here because I never had kids of my own. However, I'm just thinking about when I was a kid, the one trip that I took like cross-country with my mom and, and a friend's mom. Have musical variety as, as a parent. Okay. Musical variety. Because we played the same... That's, freaking. that's death. That's slow death. We played the same freaking record over and over. And I'll never forget. My mom said, it's enough with the death lizard. <laughs> and she met Death Leopard. like she had no idea. Def lizard is way, way she better. She said, no more death lizard.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that's fantastic. Uh, the last thing I want to add, this doesn't have so much to do with kids, but man. When you uh, when you imbibed a little bit the night before and you're in a tropical location, being in a pool with a cocktail in your hand, holy cow, does that take the hangover away almost immediately? It's it's magical power stuff. Interesting. Yeah, and I go with pina coladas. That is a hit really? or miss with people because of the coconut. Some people just can't do it. I, I love pina coladas. All right, moving on to our guy D po at Depot Thirteen. Iowa will not be taking seriously, but should they be when the offense was decent last year or even just merely bad instead of historically bad? They won games. We should now have an above average quarterback returning talent on the O-line plus another great defense. So I challenged him and just said, you know, when you say taken seriously, what do you mean? And he meant taken seriously as a contender to get to Indianapolis. So basically, my answer is I. I would actually disagree in the Iowa isn't being taken seriously. I think that's a little bit of a, I get it. An Iowa fan that's got his defense mechanisms flaring up. I'm not saying I'm any different. We've obviously witnessed this on the podcast, Um, but I, I, I think Iowa is being, will be taken seriously to get to Indianapolis. And I think a big reason is because of all the other teams in the West, Northwestern is down. Purdue is on a rebuild. Wisconsin and Nebraska got completely new stabs. Illinois has got tons of talent to replace. Minnesota has got tons of talent to replace. Right now, I I mean, I'll probably get crap for this, but Iowa is essentially the shiniest turd in the the bowl, you know, as far as the Big Ten West (laughs) right now. So to be taken seriously nationally, probably not, but as far as people that pay attention to the conference, I think they will be. Yeah,
1: shiniest turd in the West, maybe, but it's really hard to polish
0: a turd. It is. I'm not sure if you knew that. No, it's almost impossible from from what i getting can gather. Uh,
1: but uh, this and this seems like an Iowa fan that is kind of in my vein as an Illinois fan, like he
0: seems like a negative Iowa fan. So no, I mean, Depot's a good great he's a really good dude. Um no, I don't think you I'm, mean I'm not it like, saying he's not. Yeah.
1: I'm just saying he's It he seems he's taken a negative approach here. Are they serious? Should they be taken seriously? Of course. And I, I mean, think what he means by just I have think, a
0: what I think he means by that question is he feels that I will won't be taken seriously, but that they should be taken seriously. Mm. That's yeah. That that's how okay. I, I took it from him. But m- maybe the way you took it is the correct way.
1: Well, never mind then. I, I mean, absolutely. Should I be taken seriously for the West? Of course, but there's probably five or six teams that should be taken seriously for the West.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think there's a lot of teams that will be taken seriously. I think when the votes come out from the media, Iowa's going to be first or second. Uh, they're going to be right up there. I think people will recognize that the defense um, is is going to be good again. I mean, Phil Parker does his thing, but you know the negativity. I mean, it's not like we're we're breaking any right. new grounds here. It, it comes from the fact that Iowa's got to. They got to bust a group, bust a grape in a fruit fight here pretty soon on offense in order to to really wow people.
1: And I'll take this opportunity to remind people that this is a good thing, that you have no idea who is going to win this this division.
0: That's what makes it compelling. Yeah. I, I was always told that that's what people want. It's to, to be a compelling race that's down to the end. And oh, Jeff, really you're wrong. Yeah. They
1: want to know who's going to win before the season, and they want to be right by the end of the season.
0: That's pretty much how it works out, it's, or how people want it to work out, is what I should say. Okay, last couple questions here from our guy Super K. I don't know if you noticed, he's at a little Super K Mordechism, Mordecaiism, Mordecai-ism <laughs> to him at the underscore super underscore one. So first question, I really like, uh, interesting, interested. Excuse me, in hearing how much stock you put in Spring Ball. Um, I'll take. I'll jump on this one first. So. Okay here's the first thing stock on the entire team zero <laughs> either mm-hmm. zero or close to zero stock on entire sides of the football meaning offense or defense not zero but close to zero okay now you start focusing down to units and even more specifically individuals. that is what you take out of Spring ball. I think if you ask yeah. any division one coach and it doesn't even necessarily have to be division one, football coach, just a higher up coach where they have spring ball there. It is not so much implementing offenses and defense. Now there's going to be some of that happening at Nebraska, Wisconsin, Purdue, because they're going to need to do that. That is one of the challenges of a new staff at a new place because they do feel the need to start getting some of their signals and calls down. However, how they want it to go is that very quickly, like as in the next spring, they feel that their players have the offensive defense down. Why? So they can drill more of the individual guys. What you will hear coaches talk about is at the end of the spring, they don't talk about the team as much. They don't talk about the offense or defense. They talk about dudes. They talk about guys that made leaps from the beginning of the winter to the end of spring ball. That is the stuff to me to concentrate on and the things that you can really pull out and start playing into the next season.
1: Okay. Okay very good points a couple things for me if you've got a new scheme if you've got new coaches just what does it look like that's one thing that you can pull out a, a spring ball and by the way overall what can you pull out of spring very little but the other thing i will give you an example i went to illinois spring ball previous to the 1999 season now keep in mind ninety. Six was awful. Illinois was two and nine. Okay. Ninety-seven. Illinois was. Uh, there's not even a word to describe it. They were zero and eleven, and I went to eight of those games. By the way. Wow. Talk
0: yes. about masochistic behavior.
1: Correct. Ni- Nineteen ninety-eight. They were three and eight, and then I went to spring ball in ninety-nine. And I said, "Something is. Something looks different." Here. Okay. Okay. Like I could tell. Yeah, okay. just it was eye test. It was just completely eye test. I'm like, I'm not sure, but I think we might have a decent squad right now. And they were eight and four that year.
0: Okay, so you can so see it. The,
1: so there's uh, looking at the new scheme. What, what does it look like? an eye test. That's yeah. what you can pull from from spring ball.
0: That's cool. Um, I, I again to go back to the well. I I just remember. I just remember my time at Iowa, and it was like. There there was a sophomore that went into his junior year, a freshman that went into his sophomore year. And for some reason, at by the end of the football season, winter conditioning, and by the third spring practice, he just became a dude. And then all of a sudden, it was just a different dude, different football player. That's what I think about when I think of spring ball. And then the other thing I think about with spring ball is whenever I see a guy bust off a good run, and then you see fans... You know, on the Internet, one, one of the fan bases we might be talking about next, say, wow, did you look at him and look at how good the offense is looking? I just always think to myself, yeah, but what about the defense? Because they're going against the defense. So either they're the defense right. they're going against isn't looking good or the defense they're going against was the third or fourth string guys. Uh, and that's hence the reason that they're breaking off those big ruts. I just think it's hard to pull much out from either side of the ball when you when you're literally going against the, your, your own teammates. All right, and then second question from our guy Super K. Um, is Nebraska going to hold off the offseason number one ranking wire to wire again this year?
1: I think it's a dumb question to be asked. Are they going to? Of course. They already won it. That's <laughs> what they do. I mean, it's the stupidest question. This <laughs> like we had a, a lot of great questions. I'm sorry. Super K, dumb question.
0: I think Super laughed at that because um, obviously it's tongue-in-cheek what you're saying. One thing to point out here is uh, big news this week. Just recently, the last couple of days here, a curse is going to be attempted to be lifted very soon. Frank Solich, ex-Nebraska coach that kind of got unceremoniously dumped uh, by ex-athletic directors that absolutely no Nebraska fan even likes to bring up, let alone talk about. Many people believe, many Nebraska people is what I should say, believe that because of that, because of the treatment, the Nebraska football team has been cursed since what they did to Frank Solich. They have been wanting to get Frank Solich back into the fold. He's obviously was busy running the Ohio football program for a lot of those years, but he's been retired now, I think, for two football seasons. They invited him back, Trev Alberts working his magic, reading the room yet again. And it sounds like Frank Solich will make an appearance at this year's spring game. This is a huge deal to Nebraska fans.
1: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I always liked Frank. He he was he coached at Nebraska from nineteen seventy-nine to two thousand three. And he That's followed, a long run. He followed one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. And it wasn't good enough, and I think, I think most Nebraska fans look back and say, eh, "Maybe that wasn't the right thing to do." And 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 I think this is kind of the olive branch saying,
0: "We love you, Frank." Yep. Don't be the guy and that follows the guy there. Be the guy that follows right. the guy that follows the guy. Frank had a tough role and how it went down. The other one that they want, the other curse they want lifted is the the Herbie mascot thing. I, I don't pretend to know all the nuances to that, but that's another curse that they're hoping gets lifted very soon. Um and as far as uh, Super K's question as far as the offseason uh, uh championship, I agree. It's they, they've already got it wrapped up, they've had it wrapped oh, yeah. up. And I want to give a shout out to our guys at the at the Husker Cuzcast. It it's so funny. I, I know at least one, and I'm pretty sure two out of three, if not three out of three stated that they did not want Matt Rule as their head coach. I thought I remember saying something like I think Matt R- Rule would be a solid hire, but I don't think I'm being crazy to say that before Matt Rule was announced, 50% of Nebraska fans did not want him to be the coach. There was other guys that they had their eyes on that they wanted to be their head coach, but now that he's been hired, the work that he's been doing recruiting this the the persona that he's putting out he's connecting with the nebraska people with the nebraska schools and everything it's everything that they thought and hoped Scott Frost would be long story short is if 50% of nebraska fans weren't on the rule train before he got hired 99.9% of them it, it is the golden rule all the different rule you know things you can say they well, they love the guy now
1: but here's the great thing to me about Matt role at Nebraska is he is a program builder. Yeah, look what he did. He took an awful Temple team and made them great. He took an awful Baylor team and made them great. Let's be honest, Nebraska has been pretty awful. I I, I think it's an amazing hire.
0: It's a great hire. It's a great. It, it's a great. Higher for what you just broke down I also think it's a great fit personality to region I don't get I cannot under I, I don't get it I don't get why a coach's personality to the school and the region is such a big deal It. I don't it either but it's real that, but it, it is a thing it it's is a thing and, and the here's oddest, the thing. The oddest from- thing is Scott Frost didn't fit Especially I know after, oh. like, his, it's all in his last name he was Frosty right from the get go and even though he's a he's a Nebraska legend, it just it just, it just felt oil and waterish the more and more that went on. For sure. Matt Rule, having Penn State ties, you know, right, spent okay, time on the East Coast and the South, it's a better fit. He was born in New York. Crazy. How is that a fit? But it feels like a better fit. That just does not seem like a guy that was born in New York to me. No. It seems like a guy that was born somewhere in the Midwest. I'm not going to say specifically where, but like – Matt Rule, right. and I mean this as a compliment, he could be bellied up at the bar at name your you know, roadside or small town bar, and you're like, hey, Matt, how you doing, man? You know, He's just a good guy to talk to. And oh, by the way, he's got some coaching chops to it too. Yeah, sounds like it's from Peoria. All right, last question. What better person to end it on than the King? The Kingfisher at the Kingfisher18. Our guy, crazy, just crazy enough that you love him. He's got a big one here that we're gonna end on here. I, I don't even know if I'm ready for this, but what is the Mount Rushmore for the coolest? Okay, he said coolest okay, big linebackers of all time. Boy, you want to talk about a, a big question to take on. I
1: mean, to me, this isn't hard. Okay. We're going all big ten, right?
0: The the entire There's gotta be big ten. You know, yeah, I'm so... probably I'm probably mostly gonna err towards dudes that I recognize, you know, in my 40-plus years. On towards,
1: the- I'm airing towards the coolest. So okay. number
0: one is Dick Buckus. I am fine with Dick Buckus being number one, but I got to tell you, and I know you're an Illinois guy, okay? Number two or number one, okay? I I think there is at least a debate. I'm not sure if you get much cooler than LeVar Arrington and, and just his persona, the LeVar leap, Dude, LeVar Arrington was about as cool as can be. Do you
1: remember who the Lavar leap was against? Was that against Illinois? Yes, it was. <laughs> I didn't He's remember not my ta- who was He's the quarter a- who was
0: the quarterback at the time, oh, you remember? Was, That's a tough um, one. Um oh
1: gosh. Uh Johnson was his last name. Okay. But I can't pick that. Anyway, not not going with him. Next okay. one, Ray Nitschke.
0: You're so, oh, Ray Nitschke's good too. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have Levar Arrington in your top four in, in your Mount Rushmore.
1: Hey, it's my my opinion. Who's the coolest? Okay. I've got two line so far.
0: Okay, so you got Ray, so you got two line straight out of the, out of the line. Ball. okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, right, all right. Out of um, I just want to give a shout out personally because I'll never get a chance to do it again. When I was a kid, and Doug the Carthaginian was on the team two guys that maybe our audience wouldn't be as familiar with, but Hawkeye fans would be Melvin Foster and John Derby. They were like two polar opposites from different parts of the country, different backgrounds, different ethnicities. But boy, did they make beautiful music together when they were playing in that old school five, two Kurt, a five-two defense. And I love those guys. I got to, I got to John Derby came up to me. One of my first practices at Iowa, I'll honestly never forget it. Um So I got to give a shout out to those two guys. And then I'm just going to, and then I'm just going to go ahead and stay on the, the, you know, bias bandwagon. I think Jack Campbell is a pretty cool guy, you know, won the Dick Buckus award. One of the coolest things he ever did was when he got a safety last year, the running back for South Dakota state he put his hand up in the air and drugged the running back like three more yards into the uh, end zone for the safety. That was one of the coolest things ever.
1: Okay. My next one, Dana Howard.
0: Out of Illinois.
1: East, East, yeah. So far, all three of mine are Illinois guys. Dana Howard out of East St. Louis could have gone anywhere in the world that he wanted to, like, uh, uh, Bo Schembechler, one of them at Michigan yeah. said, Nope, yeah. I'm going to Illinois. And he, w- at the time that he left Illinois, was the all-time tackles leader in the conference.
0: Dana Howard was a unit. There is no doubt about that. He could very easily be on the list. I'm still going with Dick Buckus, LeVar Arrington, Jack Campbell. And then, man, it gets tough after that. Uh, Andy Katzenmoyer, Paul Plovesny, A.J. Hawk, yes. Dan Connor, Chris Borland, your guy Jay Lehman, Larry Foote. That was, as far as cool That guy is up there. The might be a little bit of a surprise. I think this guy was an absolute assassin, and I loved him. I'm actually going with Greg Jones from uh, Michigan State. Late 2007, 2010. So I'm leaning heavily into the coolness there. I think think G. Jones was incredible.
1: Okay, I'm going. I'm tempted with my last. Of course, my first three are lining. I'm tempted with my last one to go Percy Snow. Ooh, boy, another great one, another great one, but I'm not going to, I'm going Derek Brownlow from (laughs) Illinois, number 48.
0: You could have at least went our guy, Jay Lehman. I thought you were going to go Jay Lehman for (laughs) for your, your, to to have your, your bias Mount Rushmore complete, but okay. By the way, Brandon Short, Pat Fitzgerald, dude, we've had some pretty good linebackers in the, and I'm EJ
1: Henderson, another,
0: another good one. Holy cow. Um, uh, I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank on he, he didn't actually play in the Big Ten, that's why I didn't put him on there. But uh, Levante David for Nebraska, I mean, there's another oh. amazing linebacker, just can't, Absolutely. I just can't put him on the list because I don't do the Big Ten network thing when I say Big Ten classics and it's Nebraska versus I mean, somebody in 1994. <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't we make it literally.
1: Sense we could literally go into Nebraska history and find probably.
0: Five more linebackers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Probably
1: linebackers that are better than everyone I threw out No,
0: I wouldn't say. Better than Dick Butkus, LeVar Arrington. It's tough being Yeah. But but once we add USC and UCLA, we're really going to be adding some linebackers to to this list. I mean, think of the absolute units that USC had when they were up and running for a while there, too. So, all right, man. That's it. Uh, We have worked our way through the list. You got anything else you want to add? That was fun i don't know that was, just that was a to, good a, one prop,
1: i may just go down to the beach right now
0: <laughs> a little chilly i would think to do that but props to no. you if you do that been there done been it. there oh yeah your yeah. little cold your little cold plunge that you did right when you got there well i'm a cold-blooded person so hmm, that is true we hope that very soon we're going to be able to do our rankings pod uh we got the, the the first list all ready and done and ready to go just got to find some time With our guy DS to record, so hopefully that will be somewhat soon. Until then, I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I am Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.